because I got a word, I got a word, I got a word. Tell somebody he got a word. He got a word, yeah. Tell somebody, put your praise wrap on. Yeah, put your praise wrap on. Isaiah 61, beginning with verse 1 down to verse 3. This is what's called a messianic prophecy. In other words, it's foretelling what the Messiah, Jesus, would do. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them, would you say that, to give them, beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. What is the spirit of heaviness? Well, three translations render it in a different fashion. One translation says, the spirit of despair. The spirit of despair. That's a valid translation. The spirit of heaviness is the spirit of despair. That spirit, that mindset that makes you think there's no way out. There's no hope. Another translation translates it as the spirit of weakness. And that's also true. The spirit of heaviness makes you weak. And then another translation is a faint spirit. Whereas it were metaphorically, when your legs go like jelly, that's what happens inside, internally. That your inner spirit faints and fails. Now let me try and paint the picture for you. Because the word for heaviness, a spirit of heaviness, is used on other occasions and in other contexts in the Old Testament. First, it is applied to a lamp that's about to go out. Isaiah 42.3 says, A bruised reed he will not break. And a smoking flax he will not quench. It's the smoking flax that word heaviness is used for. Just like a candle going out. That's what this spirit of heaviness is like. Where your flame is extinguished. Have you ever experienced in your walk with God your passion going out? Have you ever experienced in your walk with the Lord that the zeal you started with begins to diminish that's what this is speaking about that when the spirit of heaviness comes on your life it begins to drain you it begins to cause the fire of god in you to begin to become less and less and then it's also used in first samuel chapter 3 verse 2 of eli's eyesight being dimmed or dulled when the eyesight is going that's the figure of heaviness. You can hardly see through the smog or just your sight is failing. When the spirit of heaviness comes upon your life, you lose vision in your life. You no longer see a future with expectancy. You no longer have eyes for what's ahead because your vision through the spirit of heaviness begins to go. It's also used in Leviticus 13, 39. 
of a faint or pale color. In the instruction given to the priest over deciding whether a leprous spot has been cleansed or not. It talks about the spot becoming pale of color. And the word is used here for heaviness. You're off color. You know what it's like when somebody is sick. We sometimes use the phrase, they've lost their color. But when they start to recuperate, when they start to get better, when their health become, comes back, we say that one of the first signs is we notice that they're getting their color back. They're getting their color back. Well, when the spirit of heaviness comes upon our lives, it causes us to grow pale. It causes us to lose the vibrancy, the vitality that at one time was evident through our countenance. Now, most people have interpreted this spirit of heaviness as an attitude of the human heart, like you're down in the dumps or like the walls and the seal of the ceiling are caving in. There's no doubt about it that there is, there is that connection here in context. But there are other people that have interpreted the word spirit here to mean more than that. The spirit of heaviness, they say, is an actual demonic spirit. The reason they think such is that case is because the word spirit that is used here in Isaiah 61.3 in Hebrew, it's ruach, ruach. And it's the same word used of how the Spirit of God moved on the waters that were covering the earth. That's the Spirit, the ruach of God. And so they see this word, Spirit of heaviness, describing an evil spirit, a demonic spirit, whose aim is to cause you to lose your vision, lose your fire, lose your vitality. Now there's no doubt about it, sometimes we can be down in our spirits just internally for our own reasons. But there are other times that the reason we're down is because we're being pressed down. We're being oppressed by an evil spirit. Now, I don't believe that believers can be possessed by demon spirits, but I do believe believers can be oppressed by demonic spirits. But the good news is, Acts 10.38 says, How God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good, and then it says, and healing all that were oppressed. That word oppressed means tyrannized or tormented by the devil. I've got good news for you today. You may have lost your vision. You may have lost your passion. You may have lost your color, but I'm here in a building where the Holy Spirit is and the anointing is here and you can get your passion back. You can get your zeal back. You can get your vision back. You can get your vitality back today. But here's the thing. God gives it, but you still got to take it. Remember what it said? To give them. It's a gift from God. The spirit, the garment of praise is a gift from God. But you've got to take it. You've got to reach out by faith and take it. You've got to be willing to put it on. Tell somebody, put it on. Yeah, 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 yeah. When it says the garment of praise, it literally means wrapping yourself up in praise. And that's what a garment does for you, isn't it? It wraps you. It envelops you. And that's what we are meant to do with praise. Wrap ourselves in praise. Listen, you can't put 
heaviness off until you put praise on. You can't put heaviness off until you put praise on. Louis, come and help me. And watch. Y'all ready? Y'all ready for this? Y'all thinking, okay, somebody's going to shoot at him, right? No, that's not that kind of vest. This is a weighted vest. It's actually a 20-pound vest. This represents the spirit of heaviness. This represents what some of us are carrying. And we think it's normal as a Christian. We think God wants us to carry stress. We think God wants us to carry worry and anxiety. We think God wants us to carry the frustration. But God didn't call us to bear those things. There are some things that we are wearing that God never meant for us to be carrying. I said there are some things that we're wearing that God never meant for us to be carrying. And we're weighted down. And and we start thinking, okay, this is normal Christianity. No. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. Because why? My burden, he said, is light, right? He said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. But the devil got some of us thinking, we have to wear this all our days. We got to wear fear. We got to wear anxiety. We got to wear worry all our days. And we're weighted down. And we're down and out. And we're down in the dumps. And we think this is normal. But the Bible says, say the Bible says, cast your burden on the Lord. Cast your burden on the Lord in Psalm 55, 22. And he will sustain you. He will never suffer the righteous to move. And then Peter said in 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all, say all, all your anxiety on him. Why? Because he cares for you. God doesn't want you wearing that spirit of heaviness. God doesn't want you wearing that anxiety, wearing that anger, wearing that frustration, wearing that unforgiveness. He doesn't want you wearing that anymore. You don't have to wear it. God's saying, that's not what I gave you. When you came to me, I became your burden bearer. I became your weight lifter. I became your deliverer. I became your freedom. I became your help in your time of trouble. You're not supposed to be wearing it. I might, I might be slow, but I learn eventually. So he doesn't give us a spirit of heaviness, but he gives us a garment, say garment of praise. Now when I took this to Cutler, they started getting nervous. They said, where are you going, pastor? You leaving us? No, 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 no. 
This is the garment of praise. It's light as a feather compared to the spirit of heaviness. When you put on the garment of praise, it becomes like a super suit. Jesus said, but wait in Jerusalem because you will be endued with power from on high. Say power from on high. When you put on the garment of praise, you put on a super suit. Uh, It might not weigh much, but it carries a lot because you see the word for garment That's used there in Isaiah 61. It's also used as cloak, as mantle. And the mantle was what the prophets wore. It represented the anointing. Remember when Elisha was called by Elijah to take over. What did Elijah do? It says he put his mantle over Elisha because he was saying there's going to be a transference of anointing. The miracle working power that's been at work in me is now going to be transferred on you. And what carries it is this mantle. I want you to understand when you put on the garment of praise, you're putting on the power of God. And when you put on the garment of praise, it covers you not just from shoulder to ankles, It covers you from head to toe. When you put on the garment of praise, what happens is it becomes not only a garment, it becomes a shield around you. His presence envelops you. His presence embraces you. His presence shields you. Therefore, the enemy cannot penetrate. The enemy can't come through. When you put on the garment of praise, you are shielded. You are protected. You are sheltered by the presence and power of God. This is why the devil wants you quiet. Quiet in church. This is why the devil wants you not singing in church or in your house or in your car. This is why he doesn't want you to open your mouth and begin to put on the garment of praise. Because when you put on the garment of praise, his presence comes and the devil cannot inhabit the praises of God's people. When God shows up, it expels the darkness. So how do you put your praise wrap on? Say through singing. Say, it's time to put your praise wrap on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Watch this. Praise, Hebrew. The Hebrew word for praise that's used there in Isaiah 61.3. Tehillah. I didn't say tequila. Tehillah. Notice what it means. A celebration. A lauding of someone praiseworthy. The praise or exaltation of God. Praises. And then it says, songs of admiration. Not in this church. But there are people in churches that are like, I don't like the praise and worship time. In fact, there's people that don't show up till the time that they think, okay, they're going to be done. Finally, we're going to get in the Word. Because they're like, I'm a Word person. You're a Word person and you don't like worship? Yeah. Then you're not a Word person. Don't judge me. I'm not. The Word is judging you. 300, over 300 times the Bible commands God's people to sing. It doesn't say if you're Presbyterian, if you're Lutheran, if you're Baptist, if you're Methodist, you are exempt. No. 
Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So if you've been blood-bought by Jesus' sacrifice, then you and I are called to praise Him. We are called to sing. We are called to worship. We are called to magnify. We are called to glorify Him. And watch this. You see, what I've discovered and you're going to learn today is praise doesn't just bless God. It benefits you. Praise doesn't just bless God. It benefits you. Now watch. Remember that one translation translates the phrase, a spirit of heaviness as a faint spirit. Look what the psalmist David said in Psalm 27, 13. He said this in the King James, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of living. What he's saying is, I would have fainted. I would have dismayed. I would have gone out. I would have passed out unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Question, why didn't he faint? The beginning of this psalm, Psalm 27, gives us the answer. Look what he said in verses 1 through 3. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. In what will he be confident? In what he just stated about the Lord at the beginning. The Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord is the strength of my life. And let me remind you, songs are songs. The book of Psalms, 150 chapters, is actually 150 songs. So how did David put on the garment of praise? He sang songs. He sang songs when he was on the mountaintop. He sang songs when he was in the valley. He sang songs when he was feeling high. He sang songs when he was feeling low. And what happened? There were times when he was low and he would describe his discouragement, but he chose to sing anyways. And by the end of those songs, you see him giving God praise. Why? Because when you praise God, when you sing his songs, it shifts the climate. It shifts the atmosphere. It transforms your environment. It brings life in death. It brings fruitfulness in the place of barrenness. So how? 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 Did David keep from fainting? You know how he kept from fainting? (laughs) He did what E-W-F encourages us to do. WF, earth, wind, and fire. They have an anointed song that every once in a while when I'm working out, I put on to encourage myself. When you feel down and out, do I got any old schoolers? When you feel down and out, sing a song, yeah. It'll make you dance. Any EWF fans here, raise your hand if, oh, y'all, you're just too holy for me then, okay. When you feel down and out, it says sing a song, it'll make your day, yeah, yeah. It's the time to shout, oh now. And then it says, sing a song, 
He'll make a way. Yeah. Sometimes it's hard to care. Sing a song. It'll make your day. A smile so hard to bear. Sing a song. It will make a way. And then I love this chorus or this, this verse. Bring your heart to believing. Sing a song. It'll make your day. Life ain't about no retrieving. It'll make a way. Give yourself what you need. Sing a song. Smile, smile, smile and believe. Sing a song. David, he experienced a transformation from wanting to faint, to pass out, to give up. True praising God in the midst of his problems, in the midst of his pressure. And I want to say to you today, singing praise and worship will keep you from passing out. Praise and worship songs will give you the strength to pass through, not pass out. And here's the other thing. Singing will help you to grow and go through the test. Singing will help you to grow and go through the test. And the Bible says in Job 35.10, But no one says, Where is God my maker who gives songs when? In the night. Have you ever found yourself in night seasons? Have you ever found yourself in the dark? Have you ever found yourself facing a situation that left you feeling like there's no way out? You couldn't see your way through because of how dark things were. The the writer of Job says that our God gives songs in the night. And then in Psalm 42, 8, it says, The Lord will command His loving kindness in the daytime. And in the night... His song shall be with me. It's getting all hot up in here. This garment is good, but it's hot. He's the God who gives songs in the night. Right now, some of you are going through a night season. You say, Pastor, what I do? Sing a song. Sing His praises. Sing His worship. Sing His glories. Sing what He's done in your life. Sing by the Spirit. Sing in the Holy Spirit. Sing what He's done. Why? Because when you sing, you're putting on the garment of praise. And when you wrap yourself and envelop yourself in the garment of praise, His presence comes near. And what you begin to experience is His protection around you. You begin to experience His light shining on you. You begin to experience His angels being dispatched for you. You begin to experience His grace and His mercy for your time of need. You think I'm kidding? All the Bible tells us in Acts 16, verse 25, but at midnight, say midnight, Paul and Silas, notice they were praying and singing hymns to God. You see, Paul and Silas made the decision, we're not going to be complaining, we're going to be praising. We're not going to be whining, we're going to be singing. And what happened was, if you read on the next verse says that in the middle of their praying and their singing, 
suddenly, suddenly, say suddenly, there was an earthquake and it began to shake the foundations of that prison. And then the Bible says that they were put into stocks. Their feet were in stocks. And so they're sitting down and they can't move away. And their arms are chained. Their hands are chained. And so they can't get out. But they began to sing. And as they sang, what happened? The chains fell off. The stocks became unlocked. And now they're mobile again. Now they're able to move free again. But not only that. You know it. You know it. The Bible says that the the prisoners were hearing while they were singing. And their chains fell off when they started singing. When God showed up suddenly. I want you to understand. I said it earlier. When you sing, it not only blesses God, it benefits you. And some of you, I'm telling you, if you'll start singing in your house, not only will it bless you, it's going to bless your son. It's going to bless your daughter. It's going to bless your spouse. The atmosphere will change. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You used to put on praise and worship when you were on your way to work. You used to put on praise and worship when you were cooking in the kitchen. You used to put on praise and worship when you were in the living room and you would fill your house with worship. But now it's changed. Now you've matured. But you're wondering, why do I feel gloom and doom? You can change the atmosphere by putting on that music again that reminds the principalities and powers that Jesus is Lord and worthy of our praise now I love birds I love birds there was a time I was going through a battle with anxiety and depression and I remember we were at at a meeting at the school in, in Cutler at Cutler school and they had like a picnic table outside in the area, in the front area, and I was sitting there, and on the tree that was over that picnic table were birds, and they were doing their thing. Pretty good, huh? And I looked up, and I was just focused on the birds, and they ministered to me because it brought the scripture to mind that He cares for the birds. Of the air. Their singing reminded me God cares. And it took me to Matthew 6, and I was meditating on it and said, And how much more value you are than those birds. God used those birds singing on that tree to remind me, I've got you. You are more valuable to me than these. And I feed them and I watch over them. Now, there's a bird that I love. And I've studied it. It's called the nightingale bird. Nightingale bird. In the early 1820s, John Keats, the English poet, went outside one evening for the specific purpose of sitting under a tree and listening to the song of a nightingale. The bird, renowned for singing its song at night, several hours later, one of his friends said that Keats returned home with scraps of paper in his hand. On them, he had composed one of the most famous poems in history, Ode to a Nightingale. Keats was captivated with that nightingale, that, that that bird could sing its song in the night. And I want you to understand today, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you 
can be like that nightingale. That no matter what kind of dark season you're going through, no matter what kind of night you're dealing with, you can sing a song. You can praise. You can worship. Why? Because you serve the God who gives songs in the night. You still have a song to sing. I love what Charles Haddon Spurgeon said. Sing in fine weather. Any bird can do that. Praising God when all is well is commonplace work. Everybody marks the nightingale above all other birds because she sings when the other minstrels of the wood are silent and asleep. And thus does faith praise God under the cloud. Songs in the day are from man, but God himself gives songs in the night. Then he encourages, Oh, come, let us sing unto the Lord under the cloud. Let us pour forth his praises in the fires. Let us praise him under depressions. Let us magnify him when our heart is heavy. I'm encouraging you tonight or or this morning. Are you discouraged? Sing a song. Do you feel weary? Sing a song. Do you feel tired? Sing a song. Do you not know how to wait? Work your way out of your situation? Sing a song. Because when you sing his song, he shows up. He turns on the light. He imparts strength. He gives power to the weak. He renews you so that you will be able to soar. You won't be stuck in that depression. You won't be stuck in that anxiety. When you sing, the wind of His Spirit will come and lift you and provide the uplift for you to soar again. Sing a song. Woo! And as I've studied about birds, I've discovered singing at dawn, during the hour, before sunrise, is assumed to be important in defending the bird's territory. So when you hear that bird, before the sun rises, that bird is declaring, this is my territory. This is my tree. And when you're at home and you're singing praise and worship, you're announcing the principalities and powers, not here. This is God's house. This is God's place. I have an inheritance that you have no right or title to. That's what you're doing to your worship as well. Woo! And the Bible says in Psalm 57, verses 7 and 8, My heart is confident in you, O God. My heart is confident. No wonder I can sing your praises. Then wake up my heart. Wake up, O lyre and heart. I will wake the dawn with my song. Sometimes you got to wake up your heart to praise. you got to wake up your heart to sing. But when you do, you experience God's power, not only in your immediate location, but begin to work in the atmosphere around your life as well and above you. Now, why did I bring a suitcase? Because I learned something this week. I also brought boxing gloves. There's a pastor of a church called Shoreline Church in Dallas, Texas. And he shared something very interesting. A lot of times, foster children, though 
They're adopted. They do not unpack their suitcase. Foster children, they don't unpack their suitcase even after they are adopted. Why? Because they're always ready for things to change. And they've been so disappointed by life that they leave their clothes in the suitcase. And when they're washed and dried, they put them back. And they don't put them in the dresser that they were given in their new home. Because their mindset is, this is just temporary. I'm going to be sent off again. Even though they've been adopted, they've been so disappointed in life. Then he points out, boxing gloves represents the attitude that their disappointment has created in them. They live on the defensive. They live ready to counterpunch because they're so used to either being victimized or being belittled because you're not my real child. You really don't belong here. And that's what goes on in their head. So they're constantly fighting in a defensive mode. And you know what I've discovered? Some of God's children are like that. Because you've been disappointed in life over and over again. You're afraid to settle. You're afraid to believe for a better tomorrow. But I've got good news for you. If that's you, you need to unpack. And you need to take your gloves off and surrender to your Father. Because your Father in heaven, He makes disappointment His appointment. And He shows up to reveal that He will not leave you as an orphan. And that He will truly father you. He will provide and protect and care for you. I've been fatherless since I was 17, 18 years of age. But I learned when I came to the Lord what the psalmist testified of. He is a father to the fatherless. And I can tell you, I have failed him throughout my journey, but never has he failed me. I can tell you that I've disappointed him at times, but never has he disappointed me. Because he is faithful, and he is true, and he does not walk out on his children. He does not abandon his children. He does not leave his children. He sticks to you closer than a brother. Woo! And Jesus said this, and I'm reading it out of the Passion in John 14, 16 through 18. He said, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another Savior, the Holy Spirit of truth, who will be to you a friend just like me. And he will never leave you. The world won't receive him because they can't see him or know him. But you know him intimately because he remains with you and will live inside you. And then notice what Jesus said. I promise that I will never leave you helpless or abandon you as orphans. I will come back to you. Jesus fulfilled that 
promise when the Holy Spirit came and fell upon the 120 on the day of Pentecost. Jesus came back in the person of the Holy Spirit to seal his promise and let his followers know, I stick with my children. I am a one who sticks closer to you than a brother. I will never forsake you. I'm going to ask the Father to send you the parakletos. The Greek word paraklete meaning the one called alongside to help. Here's what I want you to know. The Holy Spirit is not a fair weather friend. He's not just going to be with you on sunny days. He's going to be with you on cloudy days, rainy days. He's not only going to be with you when you're on your mountaintop. He's going to be with you in the valley. He's going to be with you in the high moments. He's going to be with you in the low moments. He's going to be with you when you're feeling great. He's going to feel, be with you when you're feeling bad. He's going to be with you when you're feeling good. He's going to be with you when you're feeling bad. He's going to be with you when you're feeling good. He's going to be with you when you're feeling bad. He's with you at all times. And then the Bible says in Romans 14-17 in the Passion again. I love it. The mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. And you did not receive the spirit of religious duty, leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. But you have received, I love this, a spirit of full acceptance, enfolding you into the family of God. And you will never feel orphaned. For as he rises up within us, our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection. Father, for the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as He whispers into our innermost being, You are God's beloved child. And since we are His true children, we qualify to share all His treasures. For indeed, we are heirs of God Himself. And since we are joined to Christ, we also inherit all that He is and all that He has. We will experience being co-glorified with Him, provided that we accept His sufferings as our own. I'm not an orphan. I'm a beloved child of God. I have a father that's always with me, that never leaves me. I have a father who says, my treasures are yours. And not only do I have treasures for you, he says to you, you're a treasure to me. That's why I paid the price that I did. Because I thought you were worth it. Every drop. So when that spirit of heaviness comes, you lift your voice and sing. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. child of God. You know, the verse, you unravel me with a melody. You surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemies till all my fears are gone. Let me testify. I'm no longer a slave to fear. Pastor Angel, 
Principalities and powers who have been trying to defeat us with the spirit of heaven, and we're serving them notice. Ah, you got no right to me. You got no right to my house. You got no right to my possessions. You got no right to my mind. You used to be able to play with me. You used to be able to manipulate me. You used to be able to intimidate me, but I'm not yours anymore. 
I've been washed. I've been redeemed. I've been purchased. I am a child of God. He's my Lord. I'm telling you, I want, I want you to sing like you mean. I'm telling you, you open your mouth and you start wrapping yourself in the garment of praise. And there's going to be a shift in your mind. And some of you are even going to feel God's presence anew. It's going to come again in a fresh way. You used to know it intimately, but you lost your fire. You lost it. But I'm telling you, open up your mouth with a heart that's open. Now, y'all get nervous. Is he going to call me out? Relax. This is why I come up here. Because every time I come up here, I'm reminded the singers led the people into battle. And guess what? They were the first ones to see what God was doing. And so I'm going to say one more time as nicely, you know, Santo started. I don't want to hammer you on the head. I do want to hammer you on the head because the Bible says in Jeremiah 23 that the word of God is a hammer. Some of us. Now, how many, how many women, young or old, are praisers? You say, I'm not ashamed to praise the Lord. Okay. Then then I need to see more of you up here during praise and worship. Because all I see is mostly guys up here. But then even that's dwindled. Yeah, I'm calling you out. Well, you know, I don't want to lose my seat. Lose your seat. I'd lose my seat for more of him. I'd lose my seat for to see him work. I'm serious. I have no problem sitting Indian style in the front right here if it means I'm going to lose my seat because I decided to worship God because I, I, I desire him more than anything. And, and my wife knows I, I'm not playing. Pastor Angel, don't play like that. And so I'm going to invite those of you that say, you know what? I want to get the front view of what God is. I want you to come up here as we're singing. You, PW crew, you ready? I can't hear you, so I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But you're, y'all ready? Yeah. All right. Let's do it. Come on. Let's sing. Let's press in. Come on. I'm telling you. Lift your voice. Come on. 